0: Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get get down down to to business.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Justin here, and I'm joined by my colleague, Slava.
0: Hey, everyone.
1: Today, we have a very special guest, Manny Wong. He is the founder of Ready Room Health and Performance, a boutique style clinic utilizing the niche and revolutionary red cord suspension system with the Neuroac, aka Neuromuscular Activation Method. He has been using this method to treat orthopedic conditions, especially for back, neck, knee, and shoulder issues. When many isn't suspending clinics up with his red cord system or purchasing more red, cord, red colored products for his clinic, he's busy making exercise videos on Instagram to help people be ready for any and watching and playing tennis, golf, beach, volleyball, hockey, and ultimate frisbee. We're extremely excited to talk to Manny today about starting a boutique-style clinic with such a niche-style of approach to care and to learn more about how he got started. If you want to check out the services Manny and his team provide, head over to www.readyroomhealth.com. All right, it's time to get down to business. So how are you doing today, Manny?
2: I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, how are you guys?
1: We're doing really well (laughs) yeah we're good
2: yeah so yeah I'm doing very well I'm very happy to be on with you guys I'm um, i actually a fan I've pretty much listened to all your episodes so um, I'm honored to be on and I just also having listened to all your um, previous episodes I just want to say that before we start I compared to a lot of your other guests who have tremendous amounts of entrepreneurial experience. I definitely, am still in my infancy when it comes to being an entrepreneur, so, and building up my clinic. So hopefully my limited amount of experience can um, help uh, share some insight into how it is at the start of building a clinic and uh, add some values to your listeners.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we're honored, we're so honored to have you on this podcast to learn about your journey and kind of how you got started. So the first question is, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey into physiotherapy and how you ended up to where you are today?
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, I have a bit of an atypical route to physio. Um, uh, I can I can ask you, like, you guys are all, did you guys all do human kinetics or kinesiology degrees?
0: Yeah, kinesiology. Uh, yeah.
2: I, I did medical science, but it's kind of similar, I guess. Similar, yeah. yeah. So I, I did a biochemistry degree. Um, so it's not, yeah, it's very atypical of, uh, going to physio, but I knew from an early age that I wanted to be in healthcare somewhere. And I thought for some reason, taking a biochemistry degree would get me there. Um, I was aiming for med school to start. Um, but biochemistry really just killed my GPA. (laughs) So (laughs) it really didn't uh, allow me to get in uh, with my marks. So. I actually think that was a bit of a blessing because, uh, after the year I, I applied to uh, med school after, right after uh, my degree and, um, right afterwards I didn't get in and then I started volunteering with a bunch of different other, uh, healthcare, pra- uh, professions. So volunteered with a physio, um, did some volunteer work with a pharmacist and other professions. So, uh, when I I went back home to BC and I was working with this physio out there who did some prevention um, clinic work with seniors. So she went into communities and uh, screened uh, patients or screened uh, people in the community for uh, at uh, at risk for falls. So she brought together a team of pharmacists, uh, physios, uh, OTs and just basically walk people through this uh, multidisciplinary kind of system and screen people for if they at risk, if their medication was clashing. And then it was just a very eye-opening experience and how collaborative and how amazing physio can be. and it opened my eyes to kind of like a preventative kind of model of care. So through that, um, I just after that I just dedicated all my resources to getting into physio. Um, I took some King courses at SFU, Southern Fraser University, um, so much better than my biochemistry <laughs> courses, so much more interested in them, yeah, so um, after I took a year there, I reapplied to physio and got in at Queen's, and then I went to Queen's University uh, for physio, and then yeah, I met, met a lot of people on the way, um, you actually have interviewed one of my classmates, uh, Jesse Auenas great guy. Um, he was one of my classmates and yeah. So after that started working in private practice in several different clinics, uh, ranging from one that has like a lot of multi clinic location clinics or multi clinic, uh, company, and then down to a single clinic company. So kind of worked in different environments and, uh, and then after going through that time period, I, started to kind of pick up on some signs that i wanted to start something on my own and uh, and then i last year i I ended up doing it so i started ready room health and performance and branched out on my own and that's where i am now that's
0: uh definitely an amazing journey and uh, all of our all of the physiotherapists and your patients thank you that you didn't get into med school but (laughs) got into physio instead you mentioned that you're um, running the Ready Room right now, and um, yeah, kind of opened it as a boutique-style clinic and a special kind of Neurac method that operates um, that comes with the Ready Room methodology. Can you elaborate a little bit on why you decided to create Ready Room and what it's all about?
2: Yeah, so I didn't mention uh, a big part of why I started or decided to branch off on my own was. Um, me finding red cord, I actually had some exposure to it before, um, before taking the course. Uh, One of my friends, actually classmates practices it out west with it out west. And while I was there, I was, I tried it, uh, over at his clinic and I really kind of fell in love with the methodology and just the theory behind how it works. And after they were able to offer courses in Canada for the first time, um, when I took the first course, I really thought the methodology with Redcord and NeuroAct melded with kind of what I wanted to do with opening my own practice. So that's kind of was the jumping point into starting. And a big part of why I started was, like I said, I've, I've worked in many different clinics, so I, I picked up on a lot of stuff that I liked and also picked up a lot of stuff that I didn't like. So I thought I could amalgamate all the stuff that I liked and uh, put it into kind of one cohesive kind of approach and uh, promote that in terms of uh, healthcare so i kind of term it the ready approach um, and it's it's through like one-on-one kind of treatment programs Um, i really do think that patients um, appreciate the one-on-one approach and um, when you get passed on and see someone just for 15 minutes and passed on i feel like patients don't have the best uh, experience so i mandate that with everything and every uh, condition that comes into the ready room as it expands that's uh something that is a must it is going to be one-on-one and it's also going to be goal-oriented one question i always ask with my clients or patients is uh, what do you want to be ready for so it kind of puts it in the ball in their court. and also promotes a proactive kind of approach. And that's another part of it is proactive, um, being, uh, looking forward and really trying to educate people on preventative care and taking care of their body before stuff happens. And another one is, um, it's gonna be personalized. So I do use um, video and technology to record clients doing their exercises and make sure I voice over top of it and i use embodia which is kind of where we met we were shooting some videos Um, so i use that platform to kind of get um, a more personalized approach to handing out exercise and home uh, home exercises and then lastly i really want to promote an active kind of approach to care Um, i think the people get the most benefit from an active approach um, and making sure that that's part of my approach uh right away is it gives clients an expectation that they're going to be active and they come in knowing that they're going to be moving around and doing things especially on the red NURAC system so those are the main reasons why um i started ready room and then with NURAC and Redcord, i kind of took the long way to that that was the original question right
0: yeah <laughs> and uh <laughs> these are definitely like uh amazing things that you you stand for in your clinic and um they're all based on this Newrac method and the red cord system that you use, which we got a chance yeah, to experience so. it was definitely a fun day, and uh we got to take our bodies to the limit a little bit with the, with the springs <laughs> and the whole stabilization approach. So can you give us a brief overview of the Nurek method and the Redcord system, please?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I love talking about it. Um, I really do think that it's a great approach. So, um, let me talk to you about Redcord first. So Redcord is a Norwegian company. Um, it makes suspension units, um, called red cord. So it's very similar to TRX in the sense that it's both a company and the unit itself, the suspension device. So Red Cord makes um red cord suspension units. And through that um, they practice or they teach the NERAC method. So NERAC stands for neuromuscular activation. And um it is both an assessment and a treatment method um, that the tagline and I think all our all your listeners are usually Practitioners, right? Yes, usually. Yes. Usually, okay. So I'll kind of go through the more scientific um, explanation instead of the layperson expati- uh, explanation. So uh, their tagline is basically um, using high levels of neuromuscular stimulation to restore functional movement patterns. And there's two parts of that. So the neuromuscular stimulation is basically the sensory component, um, proprioceptive component. It's overloading. And trying to give as much proprioceptive input to someone so that they can drive output so that's the functional movement pattern part of things so it uses the sensory sensory motor feedback loop and really tries to uh, incorporate more um, neuromuscular stimulation to drive the output and you've all, you're students, but you're, you're doing clinic now. You've probably seen someone that has trouble really connecting with their muscles, right? Connecting, um, and trying to activate their muscles. They just can't seem to do it. Have you guys had that experience?
0: Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
2: So this method is really good with that is, is it allows, um, the client to really feel, um, the muscle feel the sensory input from the instability um, so it, neuromuscular stimulation can be from the instability from the, the suspension ropes, um, the the uh, closed connect chain uh, style of exercise, uh, perturbations and vibrations, and um, just the whole process of being able to unload clients with bungee cords and, and use load as a very progressive method of increasing neuromuscular stimulation. Um, this gives clients a lot of information for them to drive the output so it allows them to activate easier
3: yeah so that's the theory behind how it works and uh, how it activates uh, improves activation of muscles for clients but how you assess and how you actually apply NERAC is you you go through a whole assessment so say someone comes in with back pain there's several protocols and different Uh, suspension tests that you go through to kind of paint a picture of how well someone is engaging uh, and activating their muscles. And with the back in particular, you go through local muscle control. So the deep core um, control, you assess that and their ability to control that. And then also you assess their global muscle control. So these are more myofascial chains. Uh, If you've read uh, anatomy trains, that's the theory and that's the framework that they kind of go through with uh, red and Neurac. So you assess someone's ability to control these myofascial chains. And once you've done the assessment, you have a great picture of what areas need work. And then with treatment, you just target those areas. And you you try to put them in a, in a position or in an exercise where you're challenging them enough to create uh, activation and create uh, Improved control over these myofascial chains, wherever you find the weak links. So whenever um, you've noticed that there's an area that's lacking, right? Cordonurac defines that as a weak link. And you're going to try to um, find those and then address each weak link as you go. And then you just compare how they move afterwards with how they moved when they came in. And you want to establish. Uh, some kind of difference as they move and as you go through treatment they're going to be able to start engaging more it's a very active style of treatment and you're going to uh, start seeing a change and some of it is very drastic it's like one or two sessions and boom they're already learning how to activate those muscles really well and sometimes it takes a little longer so it really depends on the client and how they respond
1: oh that's amazing um it definitely just from how, seeing the red core system and kind of visiting your clinic and seeing what this thing system was all about. It really kind of allowed us to see the proactive approach to care that you take and really kind of giving your, um, your patients the expectation that, you know, they're going to be active and they're going to take a important role in the recovery. But um, for Sroos, Slava and I, when we visit the clinic, it was definitely the first time we kind of saw the system like that. So what are some ways that you've marketed your services to a lot of people who've probably never even heard of the red cord system before?
2: Yeah. um, That's a great question because it is very um, new in Canada. It's not new in the world. Um, It's very common out in Norway, of course, uh, in in Europe. It's also very common in Australia and Asia, especially Korea. Um, And there's a big company in the States that, uses or a couple companies in the states that use it too um, but in canada it seems like it hasn't picked up as quickly so how i promote it is uh, mainly two things it boils down to two things um, seeing it and experiencing it um, it's very visually stimulating when you see the work sta- they call it the workstation the the one that i have in my clinic um, and having seen the ropes seeing the slings, the bungee, it's, it's very, very unique. And so I use that to my advantage. I, I post a lot of content with it on social media. Um, I, I try to uh, take a lot of videos of me exercising on it and just getting that visual down and having people be intrigued. I've had multiple people contact me and say, um, I've seen a video, like, what is this? Like, or um, just from that, being able to, to see a little bit of a different approach. That's, that's number one. So I use that a lot to my advantage. I do a lot of content creation with it to try to just have people be exposed to it visually. And then secondly, the experience part, um, and once they see it, I get them to come on and say, let's just try it out and see. And when they try it out, it really drives home that approach. And it's very, um, like, you, you guys have tried it out. Like, you you kind of – it's a very different experience than a typical exercise or typical physio um, physio session. It's uh, very unique in the sense that it's a very much an approach, And um, there's not a lot of hands-on kind of approach. You're doing everything yourself, and mm-hmm. you're doing a lot of yeah. coaching. And I'm I'm doing a lot of guiding and just cueing and trying to get you to restore uh, better movement patterns. So getting the right muscles, finding the right time, with the right force. So those are the two main things. And of course, when people experience it, they they like to share stories about it. So <laughs> yeah. word of mouth afterwards is key. Like that's that's still the main driving force of my new clients is word of mouth. Um, I've heard everything from oh. Uh, have you try? You gotta try Manny's uh, Fifty Shades of Red" uh, <laughs> uh, kind of comments and yeah. all that stuff. But, but I love it. Like it's 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 very easy for people to communicate because they just say, "Oh, I was hung up on these on these slangs." Mm-hmm. It's a very mm-hmm. unique experience, and it just helps me promote it and helps people be able to talk about it easier when it has a very unique experience. Mm-hmm.
1: Manny, I'm interested to know that um, were any of your clients. Initially intimidated the trying out this thing system when they first saw it, and um, what are some challenges that you know you initially faced when trying to get people to buy into the system?
2: hundred percent. That is number one thing that is the biggest barrier is they look at it and they think, "Oh my goodness, like what is this? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? It looks very intense." Um, there's a big in- intimidation factor to it, uh, but I tried to dispel that right away by saying that we don't have to use it like I, it's, it's a big part of my clinic but I don't use it I don't force people on it. so if somebody wants traditional more traditional physio, um, I, I do offer that too. but if they have any inkling that they want to uh, go on it, I just talk them through it and I spend a good five, 10, even 20 minutes just talking them through showing them pictures. I have a whole database of pictures I go through all the tests with them so they're at ease. And um, I think that's number one is they need to feel comfortable on it because if they don't, the the testing results can be skewed because they're all tense. Um, But once they're comfortable on it and once they go through one test, they're like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's actually pretty self-explanatory after that. and It feels very comfortable, the slings. It's not a very uh, painful experience because we make sure that you don't get pain when you do it. So people, once they're on it, they actually feel pretty comfortable, and the buy-in after they're on it is very high because they haven't experienced something like that before. And we do testing on each side suspended. So if you see that one side is very different than the other side, they get very intrigued. They like, why, what, what's going on? Like why, why is my right so much uh, more of a struggle to do this test than the other side? So it becomes a talking point that okay, there might be some imbalances going on that you need to you need to correct. And I don't a lot of traditional physios uh, in clinics or tr- traditional physio assessments. It really relies on the practitioner telling the client that there's something wrong. Uh, whereas this is they feel it themselves. So the buy-in becomes a little bit more uh, easy to go in because I don't have to convince them as much uh, that say. This is going to lead to something down the road is they they feel it very easily
0: definitely and um manny you mentioned that through this uh system you have employed in your clinic uh, you're able to give patients a unique experience which is a fantastic way of putting it because since we experienced it ourselves it was a unique experience and uh we we can tell a lot of people about it and it's definitely easy to put it into words as you've mentioned and this is such a unique style that talking to a lot of uh, leading minds in the physiotherapy industry, the ones who are involved in business, um, we f- we find out that a lot of people think that physiotherapy is leading, is heading in the direction of uh, niches, creating a niche market. So uh, not a generic clinic as we see a lot of the time now, but let's say shoulder specialists or concussion specialists. And in your case, uh, you have you offer this style that puts you in a category of a boutique clinic. So, can you tell us about the benefits of opening up a boutique style of clinic?
2: Definitely. So, um, I can't speak for all types of boutique style clinic, but I can talk about the way I started uh, with mine. So, um, I was very fortunate to have my desire to open up and um, a clinic coincide with the time that I learned and experienced a red court as a practitioner and melding them together was allowing me the opportunity to um to offer an experience a very unique uh, experience and that's that's something that I think you do need if you want to um open up a boutique style clinic and the benefits of that is you do get clients that search you out so I have clients that referred um, other people to see me specifically for this because they've experienced it and it's helped them. So because it's unique in that sense, you get people talking about it a little bit more. And that's that's a big benefit is if you have, it doesn't even have to be a system like RedCord or uh, Neurac. It could be um, the way you do things, like your the experience at your clinic. Um, the service that you provide it, it could vary, or even like the the look of your clinic. It can be very uh, much like that. I think if you offer something that is unique and has value, um, opening up a boutique style can really help you stand out from the crowd. Because, like you said, there's a lot of um, quote unquote generic clinics out there, and um, and it's really tough, especially in Toronto, to stand out Um, you you walk down the street and there's there's like two clinics on every block at least and um and it's tough to make yourself stand out so going to more specialized niche kind of uh, practice helps you uh kind of stand out from all those other clinics so i think um, the future is a little bit more like that in terms of more specialized more niche and i think the main advantage of that is standing out but for me, also personally, I decided to open up my clinic in a room in a boutique gym. So I rent space from them, and it is uh, was a very low cost in starting. Um, I remember listening to I think Maddie's uh, episode where he's saying that you need a hundred and what fifty thousand dollars or so of capital to open up something if you want to build out, and I definitely did not have that capital, and I didn't need that capital to start my small, kind of boutique style clinic. Um, I was just renting space from the clinic and it, it was very easy. It was uh, a year lease, is not, I didn't have to sign anything longer. Um, so it, it's a great way to, I think, dip your toe to into um, business and really looking at into um, whether you actually want to start something um, more long-term and more bigger. Um, at least the way I did it, I don't know, some boutique clinics are built, you have to build out a space for that. So the way I did it it was very low cost efficient, I never really had a month where I was uh, worried about uh, making ends meet. Um, So it was a great way for me to kind of progress into it and uh, offer value to my clients.
1: Yeah, Manny, you talked about the the main benefits to starting up a boutique style clinic, you know, offering a very unique service that other generic clinics don't provide. But given that you're about a year out um, in your practice, in terms of with Ready Room, what are some potential risks or drawbacks of starting a boutique clinic that you experience with such a specialized system or approach?
2: The drawbacks that I see. Is, in my particular case, at least, is that the the niche I picked is not very well known in Canada, at least, and um, I had to do a lot of legwork to kind of promote it, uh, promote red cord, and promote direct awareness both to to cl- uh, clients and other practitioners and uh, other healthcare professionals. So that's that's one thing um, that I find is a potential risk or drawback like in terms of for me itself i'm relatively new as a practitioner of uh, a practitioner but um i am one of the more um i guess i've practiced NURAC a little bit more than other people in canada so there is some aspect in my case that i don't have too much mentorship Um, coming out of it so uh, what Redcore does do very well as a company is allow people who've taken NERAC to go and retake courses for free and um, and be able to go and re and ask questions and relearn some stuff so I've actually taken NERAC the first level at least three times over and each time I come in with some questions and learn something new and um, and go from there and there is other practitioners are, have especially one in bc um, her name's candace she's basically i say the godmother of nurak in canada she actually went to uh, norway to learn this learn the method and she's the one that kind of uh, started bringing it back to canada and everyone who does nurak can kind of trace their lineage back to her somehow <laughs> so um yeah like that's kind of drawback that i see um i can't really say too much about other boutique styles it might be that their niche that they picked um doesn't become a niche anymore and it explodes out so now um, it you kind of need to stand out a little bit more i guess it becomes a little bit more mainstream um and so you might have to work on your patient experience or the way you do things to stand out a little bit more um, that's what I would say for generally, um, someone who is starting a boutique clinic might want to look for is just making sure that they're writing, not a trend, but writing something that will last too. And, um, uh, and really setting out to be unique and you have a value proposition, always create value and, uh, create value for your clients.
0: Definitely, and Manny, you've done a great job of outlining the benefits as well as the risks or drawbacks of um, owning a red cord clinic specifically. Um, what would be your overall recommendation for somebody looking to start this type of clinic? And additionally, um, if you could answer in terms of patient populations who can use this, is it? Do you think it's more focused on um, Higher performer athletes, or could this also be applied to the geriatric population, which is the tendency that the Canadian population is heading towards?
2: Uh, definitely. So, yeah. So definitely, it is um, a method that actually can span from uh, a young uh, client to all the way to seniors, uh, because. The big part of it is being pain-free. It has you have to do it with pain-free uh, method to be able to create um, neuromuscular activation. So, uh, because we have slings and support systems that can offload tension and help clients, uh, I've seen I've treated someone um, in the, well in their. 70s on it. Um, it's not something that you need to be too careful with, but you do need to screen for some things like um, dizziness or um, just some sort of uh, condition that won't allow them to be on unstable surface, some sort of vertigo or something like that. Um, you just need to be a bit more careful with that, but anyone can go on it and it's very effective because um in the end they're just moving their body weight and um and learning to move their body weight a little bit more efficiently um so i don't and i think lifting open chain exercises can be just as dangerous sometimes or just not dangerous but just as injury the risk of injury is the same i would say so um it is a good opportunity for using this and attracting different um, populations. But I do, I think your, your question was, um, is how, what would I recommend? Yeah. So I do recommend people know that what their ideal clientele is um, and, and actually write it out and find that uh, ideal clientele. Cause everything you do after that can be directed to that. So I like. I've heard this I somewhere, heard I forgot who said it. So knowing your idea of clientele is is very important in that um, you, you then gear everything towards it, your marketing, um, the way you set up your clinic, um, how it feels, how it looks. You can kind of um, try to know that clientele even better than they know themselves. So um, what I have defined for my clinic is my ideal clientele is the 25 to 45 or 50 year old weekend warrior that wants to get uh, better at either a sport or fitness or is proactive in their approach in looking at their health. Um, I've defined it as Matt and Jennifer. Matt being, uh, say, he's an ex, NHL or not ex uh, goalie in the OHL who now doesn't play too much hockey, but um, works at a desk job um knows uh a little bit about his body but hasn't really worked out too much plays some golf here and there like i feel like you need to know your clientele to that level so that you can gear everything towards them um and i think that is even more um more accentuated when you do a boutique style clinic because you need to really know who you're targeting. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. for, and, and go from there. Yeah. So that's, that's one. And then another thing is, I've talked about a lot, um, I think, um, uh, in the previous is knowing your value proposition, like your unique value proposition, you need to stand out and offer something that's different from what is already out there. And it doesn't even have to be an approach. It doesn't even have to be a system. It just has to be an experience. So you see two different types of coffee shops that, um have pretty much the same coffee but you walk in if one experience is very different than the other you've created a brand like so you need to kind of mark out what the unique value proposition is for your clinic and what is um what you want to do and basically go from there um, for so for me uh we offer red core method with the ready approach and to try to get you ready for anything, so that's kind of our value, our unique value proposition is we use a different system, and it, we use that ready approach and uh, use it to try to get you ready for any, anything. So that's that's um, something. And uh, another thing I've heard your other um, other guests speak about is knowing your why. So this is a little bit more broader and not specific to boutique style clinics, but. Know your why, and I would go one step further in saying that know your intrinsic why. Um, Know why you're starting to open up this clinic and open up your business. And it can't be externally, like trying to make a lot of money. Um, I I feel like if you have it linked to something external, um, you're going to start losing motivation if things don't go your way, Um, especially when it comes to um, the factors that you've linked it to. So it has to come from within and why Why are you doing this and why are you opening up something and taking on the risk and you need to kind of parse those out and uh, really know um, in the back of your head why so that when you go through tough times, you can always go back to that and say, this is why we're doing it. So I think those those things, mm-hmm. knowing your why, knowing your unique value proposition and your ideal clientele is kind of what I think is most important.
1: Yeah, Manny, you've made some great recommendations for someone who wants to potentially open up, up a boutique clinic in the future. Like you said, um, you know, writing down your ideal clientele that way you can really focus and do everything based off of what your ideal clientele wants and what their needs are. As well as you know knowing your unique value proposition and knowing not just your why but your intrinsic why um but we've reached this point in our podcast where we talk about this and given that you're only a year out into opening up your own clinic and you've already had so much success already with ready room what are some habits that you feel like you've developed over the years that have really been crucial to your success
2: right so um I love this question because I think habits is really um, what builds to greater success is is developing really good habits. I've actually, um, I've written a little mini ebook based on a couple of my Instagram posts about daily habits that I uh, give to my clients as part of um, them coming in. So I do really appreciate um, building good habits and one thing I do want sort to of go from now is to looking at habits is looking at principles behind the habits. So I think you guys mentioned that you guys were reading, um, Ray Dalio's book, right? Uh, principles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I base a lot of my daily habits on some principles and one that I picked up on recently is, um, I say attention is a finite resource with a finite bandwidth. So um, when you go about your day-to-day, I try to manage my attention like it's a depleting resource. So I have, say, 100 points of of attention a day. And everything that I pay attention to, it depletes that a little bit. And if I um, deplete it too much by, say, looking at, on social media and paying attention to a bunch of other stuff. um, When it comes down to actually doing serious work, um, I won't have that much to draw from that much attention to draw from. So I try to do things that help replenish that resource. So for me, um, big thing um, is staying hydrated. Um, I know it's a weird thing to say, but (laughs) I I know that when I don't drink enough water, I actually start losing a bit of focus. that um, i know that meditation helps me a lot to replenish that attention so i try to meditate um, frequently and sleeping well uh, turning off distractions like um, my notifications on my phone i've completely turned those off um i feel like every time if i have my phone near me i'm trying to work every ping that comes up it just eats a little bit of my attention away and um i it gets me a little harder to focus back on what i need to do i've also removed all my social media mail even um off my home screen um and moved it to the last page so when i do check these things and uh check it i make a very conscious effort that i'm checking it now and i don't have a pebble response when i open <laughs> my phone and you, you do it all the time right? Like you it's on your front page and you just it automatically you click it so I try to um, remove those distractions and also with the bandwidth um, I think you can only store so much at a time head with your attention so whenever something pops in my head that I need to do I automatically spit it out I try to write it down um, in a to-do list and just get it all out and then when I have the time or when, it's t- when it comes time I go check the to-do list and then I have those in, um, out there so I can cross it off. So I don't constantly try to remember things that I have to do, I just get it all out and then and then uh, really manage my attention like it's the most important resource that I have. Um, time, people say time is money, but I think awareness really determines the value of your time. So whether whether you're playing with pennies or you're playing with like $100 bills, um, that's up to you in terms of whether you manage your attention well.
0: Mm-hmm. And that concept appeared in some book. He, uh, The author, I'm not sure which book exactly it was, but he talked about it like as a battery life. You have 100% on your phone um, when you start the day. Every little thing, like you mentioned, um, distractions and even things like traffic or <laughs> uh, bad interactions with people. Uh, they tend to deplete that uh, battery and deplete your willpower or attention. So that's definitely... uh, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, sorry. Um, And I think being self-aware to what distracts you um, is also very important. Um, For me, I know I can't have a TV on or anything that speaks, like dialogue, Um, in the background when I work. It just completely draws my attention and I just can't focus. So I know every time when I do need to work, I throw on jazz music for some reason that like really zones me in. Um, So if you know that about yourself, um, use it to your advantage, I would say, and just try to set up an environment where your attention is completely focused on what you need to do. Um, And then you're going to get more out of your time because we only have, everyone has 24 hours in a day. It's what you do with your attention. I think that really determines how much you get done.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly, and in my personal opinion, I feel like the two most important concepts are energy and time, and we can both definitely agree on energy. You can have a lot of synonyms for it, like attention span, willpower, but ultimately that's one of the driving forces. And the fact that everybody has limited time, but uh, the top performers, Tend to maximize their twenty-four hours in order to complete more um, is also a fantastic concept, and it's amazing about the fact that your first podcast guest who actually has an ebook about habits, which is amazing. Definitely send it over our way.
2: And, uh, and I, yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not anything crazy. It's just I literally took what I wrote on Instagram in the caption and just put it on a page <laughs> with the picture of nice. Instagram and. Yeah. I, I I also try to everything I post, I try to reuse it and treat it as a mm-hmm. resource. Yeah. You can it's like an asset that you've created that you can reuse and try to generate so I don't waste time posting stuff and then um, not using it later. I really try to reuse things and try to get more value out of it.
0: Exactly. Because uh, Tim Ferriss and it's for our work week actually wrote his book as a collection of um, blog posts. (laughs) So (laughs) he was able to have a lot of success with that book and introduce some great concepts. But on the topic of books, um, we know that you definitely read and we wanted to find out which book really impacted your business acumen or really made a difference in your life.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to say two. <laughs> sure. I do try to read um, as much as possible. So um, I if you're looking for, if you're brand new and you're looking for something to help you start with a clinic, um, just the ins and outs of it. I do agree with Connor, I think, um, who uh, mentioned a book by Diana Hopkins-Rossil. Um, the book is called Business in Clinic Practice. Business and clinical practice, how to get there from here. Um, DHR, or Diana, is actually one of the profs that taught me at Queen's. She's a PT. Um, so we were kind of mandated to get her book <laughs> during <laughs> the business class, but it's been a great resource. Um, she lays out a lot of um, the ins and outs of developing a business plan really well. And it's really easy read. It's, re- it's, it's really geared towards physios. In rehab uh, clinics so I recommend uh, looking at that and just going through it it's it's good cover to cover um, that's one thing I do recommend for new people who don't have any background um, it's a good starting point and then for just general um, motivation so I, I am by myself most of the time and I feel like um, to to do well. You kind of need to be motivated, and I was recommended this book uh, called *Drive: The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us* by Daniel Pink. Um, and I read it, and I really do enjoy it because um, it talks about intrinsic drive versus extrinsic drive, and it's it's geared towards bigger companies and how to motivate your employees and uh, keep them motivated. And that he says that the intrinsic drive um, trumps extrinsic drive and three things really um really uh you need for intrinsic drive and that's autonomy so the ability to control what you do when you do who you do it with um those those play a big part in increasing um your internal your intrinsic drive and um, another thing is having a mastery mindset so Um, knowing that you can constantly improve and there are um, no kind of cap like you don't reach x level and stay there you always are looking to improve and if you have that mastery mindset and you're uh, looking always to better yourself Mm -hmm. um, that helps improve your intrinsic drive too and then lastly I think the most important is having your purpose or your why um, defining that and really trying to uh, base all your decisions and motivations off of that why uh, is good. So I think knowing that um, and opening up a clinic, um, using that mainly helps me in like the days that I feel really stressed. Um, mm-hmm. I can always go back to these things and say, look, I've, I have all the autonomy I want. Um, I'm always trying to get better with my practice with Red Core, with Nurac mm-hmm. And uh, my purpose is trying to promote the ready, approach and promote a bit a more proactive healthcare. Mm -hmm. um that's kind of what keeps me going when uh things get a little bit more stressful so i think that is really important um to know and that was a great book i really enjoyed it
1: yeah manny you recommended some great books that we're definitely going to have to check out and really just going touching upon that mastery mindset you've touch um that you talked about for me it's i kind of term it something uh, a bit different but for me it's a growth mindset and Mm -hmm. it's really similar in terms of the way you view it just you know every day you know you're going to improve yourself you're going to you know challenge yourself challenge your comfort zones because that's really where you know the the growth happens and i feel like you know so often we kind of get comfortable you know we get comfortable with you know work we get comfortable with school we get comfortable with life and it's easy to um to get stagnant so i just want to say i really resonate with you on that point
2: yeah 100 percent. like um being i i do think true change needs to be uncomfortable like you need to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to truly change and grow mm-hmm. and and one other thing is like if you want to start a business be comfortable being uncomfortable because there's a lot of things you need to learn. A lot of things you need to uh, pick up on, and it's sometimes not the most comfortable thing. Um, but in the end, if you have that purpose and that why, it pushes you through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. But uh, Manny,
1: we're coming to the end of this podcast. Today. We've truly enjoyed having you on. You've provided so much valuable information in terms of, you know, starting a boutique style clinic. You know, giving recommendations to people that want to um, go pursue this path in the future Uh, but just for a viewer's sakes where can we get uh, where can we find um, you on social media do you have an email address or Instagram that you can link
2: yeah so I'm very active on Instagram Um, my handle and across all social media platforms is at PT Manny so I spell my name a little differently so PT M-A-N-N-I and my email is Manny at readyroomhealth.com, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can reach me in those two spots. I'm also a partner in uh, with Redcord Canada, so if you have any Redcord and or questions, you can reach me at manny.wong at RedcordCanada.com. Perfect. Well, it was
1: great having you on this podcast today. Um, and if you have, do you have any more questions or comments before we wrap it up?
2: I I definitely would say if you if you have any inkling in starting. Um, find out your unique value proposition um, define your idea of clientele and if you have those two and you and you have the drive intrinsic drive um, go for it like it's been I've been the busiest um, and the most stressed out I've been for a long time
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but I've been the happiest since the opening so um, it is very rewarding to have something in your building up and it's your own so if you have that drive and you have um, something to offer that is unique and creates value, go for it, do it. Like I, it, I couldn't be happier right now. Well, that that's so great to hear,
1: but yeah, it was great having you on this podcast today and thank you, Benny.
2: No problem. Thank you guys. Again, uh, you guys are doing great. I love your work. So big fan. I've been listening to all your, all your episodes, so keep it up. And, uh, yeah, you guys are going to be great in the future as yeah.
0: Thank you so much, man. You provided some uh, amazing advice, and uh, we look forward to releasing this podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at infoptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time!